You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to America's Web Radio. This is Ron Bachman, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight. You know, everything today is about COVID. It's about how the new administration, the Biden administration, is dealing with the COVID issues and how they're expanding it to take control of almost every part of our lives. Well, I live in Florida, and they're doing a great job in getting the COVID vaccine out to people. I had my first shot. I'm above 65, and in Florida, that qualifies me for the first round. So I had my first shot, and it was the uh, Pfizer um, vaccine. So in a few weeks now, I will get the second shot, and hopefully that gives me some immunity. But I am concerned. There's a lot of rumors going around. There's a lot of conspiracy theories. There's a lot of of nutcakes out there talking about uh, these vaccines and how they may be very inappropriate, how they may be dangerous. And I want to talk about that a little bit today. I don't want to promote crazy, kooky ideas, but I think it's important that we listen to various inputs because if you listen to the national news everything is great and wonderful with these two vaccines we've got this new approach called a messenger rna but very few people really know what that's about we've never done it before our normal flu vaccines come from giving us it used to be a small piece of live virus that would allow our body to create an immunity and then later on they figured out how to do a dead virus. Now, I'm not a doctor or an immunologist, so I don't know quite how that works, but they give you a dead virus shot now, which I had last fall, and you have to get one every year because the viruses uh, morph and they change. And so the, the vaccine that you get, the shot that you get annually for flu uh, can change depending upon what the version of the flu they think is going to be out there in a given year. So now we've got various strains of the COVID-19 issue out there. So we have different vaccines, maybe. Well, they tell us no, but they've not been always right in the past. But as a little side note, I do notice that talking about the um, uh, UK version, but now we couldn't talk about the China virus. That was... um, That was uh, not politically correct. Of course, in the past, we had the German measles and we had the uh, Spanish flu. We could identify the location of where these things came from, but for some reason, we weren't allowed to use China flu. I think it's because President Trump used it and anything he used, half the population disagreed with. But the question is going to be, is this new vaccine that we're getting safe. Is it safe now? Is it safe in the future? Are we going to have to have booster shots? And it's a wholly different approach with this messenger RNA. And I want to have uh, an interview or repost an interview from somebody during the next couple sessions this hour so we get some alternative insight. I am awaiting and wish I could wait until the Johnson & Johnson shot comes out because it's based on the um, typical shot that you get for flu. It's a one shot. It's probably going to be very popular because one shot means you don't have to go back and there are parts of the world, parts of the country 
this population is going to find it very difficult to get a second shot. Um, you know, you got people, whether it's Africa or South America or many parts of the United States, where getting back to a location to get the shot is going to be very difficult. A second shot is not going to be easy, and somebody might forget what kind of shot they got. Did they get the uh, Moderna shot, or did they get the um, uh, Pfizer shot? And now they're talking about, well, they were going to hold back the second shot so that it was certain if you got the first shot, you get the second shot. But now they're saying, no, we got to release the supply so that everybody gets the first shot, and hopefully that the second shot is produced and available when we need it. It sounds like crazy government bureaucracy and inefficiency is likely to hit the fan after a short period of time. So um, I hope when I go to get my second shot, it's available. And I hope by the summer when many other parts of the country are then going to be available and and classified to get the shot that we'll in fact have um, all the vaccine that's available and we'll know that it works. So I want to take some time here and I want to go through some of the issues around this messenger RNA. And there's a very good um, webcast that I want to talk about and be able to present. Um, So let me do some basic introduction and then we'll come back to that and I'll describe exactly what's going on and who's speaking and where this is all coming from. As we go to our guest speaker, I'd like to have Alex Newman of the um, uh, New American Media introduce Dr. Lee Merritt. I think you're gonna find this very provocative I'm not advocating it. I just want to present information that you might not otherwise hear on the national news. Uh, today we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Dr. Lee Merritt, and she's got a, a bio. I, I could spend all half an hour on, on her bio. I'll just kind of go through it real quick. She started her medical career at age four doing house calls with her <laughs> father. Uh, she's a lifelong member of the Alpha Omega Alpha Honor Medical Society. Uh, she's the past president of the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons, which is a wonderful, wonderful group of doctors. Uh, she's a former board member of the Arizona Medical Association. Uh, and I, I, this bio is just incredible. Classically trained physician, got her medical degree from the University of Rochester School of Medicine and Dentistry. Uh, she was an orthopedic spinal surgeon for 27 years, studied bioweapons, uh, did her internship at the National Naval Medical Center in Bethesda, Maryland in internal medicine. And then she did residency in orthopedic surgery at San Diego Naval Medical Center. She spent 10 years as a military surgeon uh, all over the place. She uh, she was awarded the Lewis Goldstein Fellowship in Spinal Surgery, the only woman to have ever uh, received that. And uh, just incredible bio. She's been a speaker at Doctors for Disaster Preparedness, a wonderful conference uh, if you're not familiar with it. And she is uh, something of a free thinker. And uh, so, uh, Dr. Merritt, thank you so much for agreeing to be with us today. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's been an exciting week. I was in Washington, D.C. before this. so. Oh, wow. I bet that was exciting. Yeah. Uh, so um, tell us a little bit about your thoughts on this, this COVID. Uh, what are your thoughts on this COVID? Is the virus, does it really justify the level of hysteria we've seen and the massive expansion of government power that we've seen? Well, the simple answer is no, it does not. And, um, you know, when I gave my talk in August at the Doctors for Disaster Preparedness, the the talk was 
SARS-CoV-2 and the rise of medical technocracy. Now, I I had been asked to talk, and I, I had come up with an idea years before that. Literally, I had started thinking about a talk for them over the couple years because I go to the meetings periodically. And my talk was on the weaponization of medicine. The problem is by the time I actually was ready to give the talk, I had to change things so rapidly because they they did it. They did kind of what I thought, you know, and I really do believe we're at war. We're not we're, we're in an unconventional, unrestricted war, the kind that the, the, the military Chinese generals talked about 30 years ago. And I'm not saying this is just coming from China, but but that's the proximate military militarization of this. And, and my thought before I even before all this happened, when I was just theoretically thinking about this, was you know warfare has um, changed over time. You know we started just hitting each other over with clubs, and then we went to set piece battles, and then we went to you know we as Americans we kind of pioneered guerrilla warfare, shooting behind trees, and the British thought that was unsportsmanlike, and, and on and on. But but in our lifetime. Uh, what I call military, uh, you know, conflict 4.0. And I made this up before I ever even heard people now talking about fifth generation warfare, but that's really what we're talking about. 4.0 was when we were fighting, say, ISIS or the tower or, um, Al Qaeda. And you, you knew maybe who the enemy was by the Geneva Convention. They appeared like a standing army. They had uniforms. They had training. They used, you know, group <laughs> tactics and things. But you really weren't 100% sure who the enemy was because you didn't know who was funding them, who was sending them weapons, who was really doing the training. So there was plausible deniability. But what if you could take it the next step further? So what, I, what I've called and what I've learned, actually, some other people have called Warfare 5.0. What if you had a weapon that was so stealth that not only did you not know who the enemy was, you didn't even know you were being attacked? So it looked like nature. Okay, and that's really what we're in here, in my opinion, is that kind of scenario. So what they've done, and and this is, again, my thinking about this. I didn't read this anywhere, but I know about how this thing came about. One of the things I learned, and I actually learned from a somewhat – I figured this out, but then I was confirmed by a Taiwanese engineer on an airplane I was on one night. And he said that they don't listen. The reason they didn't get hit badly with this virus, they figured it out right away, is that they don't listen to what the Chinese Communist Party propaganda, their news, listen. They don't listen to them. What they do is they have a whole department that screens their social media. And when they see something get censored, they start looking at it, that that must be the truth. Now, that's something that we should start appreciating here in America today. Wow. But so so I'm going to tell you. I, I believed early on in February that this was a biologically manipulated bioweapon because the minute that anybody popped up with data suggesting that, they were censored. You know, the, the old military air, air the, uh, pilot dictum that when you're catching flak, you're over the target. So I believe that. And I think there's a I, – I, you know, we don't have time to go into it, but I think there's a host of evidence that shows coronavirus is a – naturally occurring, very benign virus that doesn't even give most people the cold. But at the most, it gives you a common cold, right? Doesn't kill you, doesn't make you very sick. But what they've done is, it's the transmission device. So think about how we were years ago. When we first came into the nuclear age, we couldn't easily distribute nuclear weapons. We had to drop them from onto the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So we had we just had to take them in a plane. But now we have the hard part is actually the guide guidance missile, the guidance missile technology. So in bioweapons, what we had is we had a lot of bioweapons over the years. And the one I was very worried about was smallpox. But 
some of these most of these bioweapons were either hard to distribute or there was treatment for them or something and the problem here is is distribution so here like you know remember the anthrax thing it came out in the envelopes it went to congress it's hard to distribute anthrax it might be deadly to some people but it's hard to distribute so let's pick let's make a missile and the missile is coronavirus, which is a huge, highly transmissible, very small particle virus. It can't be masked away no matter what the propaganda is. You can't hide from it behind a plastic little screen that costs businesses too much money. It's just incredibly transmissible, but it's very benign. Let's stop right here for a moment and let me comment on this interview that's going on between uh, Alex Newman and Dr. Lee Merritt. It does seem to have some substance to it. She's a doctor who understands viruses. She's a doctor who studied uh, warfare and uh, chemical reactions and um, really sort of understands the potential dangers and the threat that this virus creates. So let's take a break, and we're going to come back and get in a little more, more detail about how this is new, a new piece of warfare that we really ought to be considering the rationality about and the truth to whether it actually exists or not. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. Hey guys, it's Minister Frankie with Shine His Light Ministries. It's getting cold outside and winter is coming. It's time to shine a little light on our friends on the street. We're collecting blankets and coats for the homeless all winter long. Please donate by going to our website at www.shinehislightministry.com or text 770-655-8055. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the second segment of Healthcare Insight. Today we're talking about the coronavirus and its potential impact, and some think it's a part of a new type of warfare that may be going on. And I don't want to dismiss that. I want to study it a little bit more. I want to hear a little bit more about it. I don't want it to be just considered a conspiracy theory because there is some logic and support behind some of the discussions going on. 
For example, we know that this coronavirus is not a normal virus. We know that um, it can be sort of a stealth virus that's developed out of what otherwise is benign. We've done sections on this program going back to research that has shown us that there are scientists who have taken these types of viruses and tried to make them more virulent. Why? Because they thought in nature that might actually morph into something more dangerous and we could develop uh, vaccines in advance. And I think that what we now know is that while this was done with the coronavirus, that it got out of the lab, whether that was by accident or by design. Um, So we know that these things have been going on and that this is a very dangerous virus, not because it occurs naturally in nature, but because we helped to create it. Actually, in the United States with studies that then, when it was outlawed here, went overseas uh, to China. So this warfare analogy is a very interesting one. And the idea that uh, supports the idea that this is a biological that has been manipulated is very true. So let's go back to um, Dr. Lee Merritt and have her continue uh, giving us some understanding about the nature of this virus and how it may be being weaponized. Dr. Merritt, you talked about how this uh, virus is really benign, is not dangerous to humans, but it needs a distribution system. So how would that work? Now add to that uh, the basically the warhead. And the warhead is a little protein that they tacked on that attaches to your ACE2 pathway. And human beings have these ACE2 pathways that's somewhat genetically determined. And when you, when you, uh, put on this, this, this hook, this what they call the spike protein, then it gets into these ACE2 pathways, which now is in your heart, in your lungs, in your testicle, in your brain. It can kill you. Now, I believe what happened here is that whether, and we can argue, I kind of think it was let out purposely, but Ida can't prove that. It it was either accidentally released or it was let out purposely, but whatever, it happened. When it first came out, like many viruses, I believe that it was was worse. The first generation was more deadly, okay? So that it came out, it did kill a lot of people in Wuhan. It did kill people in Lombardy. I tell people, you know there's a problem when doctors are dying, and doctors and nurses in Lombardy were dying. If we can't save ourselves, we're in trouble. That's the time to go to your basement. It does help to go to your basement. But you can't then go out to have a beer or go out and go to the grocery store. <laughs> that's that's just shutting down people's business for economic warfare. But real isolation, like against smallpox, works. So anyway, it first came out to Lombardy. It went to New York. That was probably first-generation virus, and it did kill a bunch of people initially. But just like most viruses, almost all viruses that I know of, you know, as they pass through the human host, they get weaker. This is just a you know adaptive advantage. If you're the Napoleon of viruses and you want to take over the world, you don't want to kill every host you come across. You're not going to spread. So what you do is you become less less deadly, more transmissible. And that's what this has done over time. That's my belief about the big picture here. But what happened is, as soon as this thing came out, it became you know it's very easy to piggyback onto things. And whether, like I say, whether the, if this was a planned release, then we're talking about planned warfare. If it was an accidental release, then we're talking about warfare that was piggybacked onto this accidental release. Because what they've done is they've made it, they've used it to create fear. And fear is an incredible uh, psychological manipulator of populations. If I want to make everybody, you know, if I want to, they've taken, look at, they, like you said, they've taken down our economy. They've taken, they're taking down our generation of children with these stupid masks. They're damaging us in all sorts of ways. And it's a psyop at this point. 
Because here's the other thing we learned, and I don't think they, I don't really think they expected us. Doctors like myself, I mean, we had nothing to do. We were shut down. We were sitting at home. And what do we do? Our response is to study. And we learned lots of things. In fact, I found out that we had treatment for viruses probably going back into the 19, late 70s. And so I graduated medical school in 1980. So I'm an old fart. But my son graduated much later, just recently. And he's a general surgeon. And I asked him, I said, have you ever heard in your entire medical education, all the fellowship, all the stuff you're doing, you ever heard we could treat viruses with with bio, with these antimicrobial agents? No, he never heard it. Called my friend in Florida, 40-year internal medicine professor, real medicine doctor. He said, you ever heard that we could treat viruses with some kind of antimicrobial agent? No, he never heard that. So this is the biggest lie. I, I tried to publish a paper called that, but they made me change the title to something I can't remember. But it's about the fact that they've lied to us for 40 years about this treatment. So here's the big picture. If you have, if you bring out a virus like this, you don't need, when we talk about vaccines and things, why do we have vaccines? We have vaccines because we didn't have treatment for small, for smallpox. We didn't, and it was a very deadly disease. That made sense to have a vaccine. We didn't have treatment for um, polio initially. So it made sense to have a vaccine. But this, even without doing anything, this disease has a 99.991% chance of survival in last viral season i'll call it a viral season because it really isn't just a flu season anymore but Mm -hmm. you know in the winter season that's what our our last season that's what our horrible including new york and everything that was the overall survival in the world as opposed to a standard viral flu season it's 99.992 percent you see the big difference so so number one it's not that all deadly but number two we actually have a treatment for this that works extremely well in spite of all the propaganda and the attempts to falsify the medical literature, which they've gotten caught at, and the attempts to dis, dis, just dismiss anything they don't agree with, oh, we not we have treatment for it, and it really does work. Well, Doctor, we have a number of treatments. We saw President Trump get treated early on, and he seemed to be hospitalized out of precaution, as we would for the President of the United States, but... Uh, the follow-up was that he didn't receive anything that wasn't available to the general public. Yes, he got it earlier because there was some diagnosis and doctors around the White House that that's their job is to identify any issues. But if we all had that, um, why wouldn't treatments uh, be the way to go uh, in advance of hospitalization as opposed to a vaccine or medications that we might not really need? So we don't need, and you'd say, why would they hide treatment? Well, I can come up with two reasons. One is that um, your $69 billion vaccine industry goes to zero if you have an effective treatment for all these viral airborne diseases, right? So mumps, measles, blah, blah, blah. It might help all of these. We don't know completely yet because they didn't. And yet, to be clear, you're talking about things like uh, chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine. Right, and ivermectin. There are probably mm-hmm. others. These are called lysosomotropic agents, and and I can tell you that my one of my friends called me. He's a he's an anesthesiologist, but he trained in India initially, and and he was so excited. He called me in the middle of the night when we first kind of we heard about it before Trump said anything because it isn't. I first thought that they said, oh, they didn't want to go along with this because orange man bad. They just didn't want anything that Trump said was good was bad. But we actually knew about it beforehand, and it's much bigger than anything to do with Trump. So he called me and he said, I think I know how these things work because he got out his old textbook of infectious disease and and biochemistry, basically, from India. And he figured it out. I said, "Okay, well, if that's the way it works, we should be able to find 
other medications. And then I found the term lysosomotropic agents, and I started looking for these. And it turns out there are a number of them. But the bottom line is, why don't they want you to know? Well, the, the, the $69 billion vaccine industry goes to zero. But even more than that, if we are at biowarfare right now, as a part of this multidimensional warfare, if you have a treatment in your back pocket, they cannot terrorize you with vaccines. I mean, with viruses. And that's important because even if the, the way they've made this experimental, uh, it's really not a vaccine, but whatever this thing is, you want to tell that they're calling this Pfizer vaccine, this Moderna vaccine, this RNA thing, it doesn't prevent transmission by their own admission. Doctor, I'm trying to understand if these vaccines from Moderna and Pfizer are not intended to prevent transmission of the COVID, um, then what's the purpose and what's the danger that we're setting ourselves up for? Okay. And even if it did, it is created to act on the, on the, the warhead part of this deal, the, the, the spike protein. So next year, these guys and these bioweapons, which one of the other things I learned, sadly, is that there are these bioweaponeers all over the country and that we literally have funded them. We've literally funded – think about this. We have funded a PLA virologist to come and work in our Army bioweapons lab. That is the height of insanity or treason. And the PLA so, is People's Liberation Army for the folks out there not familiar with right, the, the Chinese, that is communist China. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, it went, under the Clinton administration, by the way, it was completely illegal to have non-aligned foreign students. So if you were from Iran or in or someplace that was not one of our allies, you couldn't even work in a biology lab that worked with lesser pathogens, you know, any pathogens that could be used as a, as a bioweapon. So, so suddenly we've gone from that stance under the Clinton administration to under the Obama administration actually funding PLH, Chinese communist virologists, to work in our bioweapons lab. It's absolute insanity. But I found out that there are these guys – we have more bioweaponeers than I, than I anticipated. I knew the Soviets had them and they were probably around, but I didn't realize how many were generally in the world. So they can now create another little – thing to go on this coronavirus now they got the missile technology they can put whatever they want on there and every year you'd have to have a different vaccine so don't think that even if you believe vaccine this type of vaccine will work which i don't even if you believe that it's not a permanent solution viruses are all around us they're part of nature we lived with them for millennia we'll live them for them hopefully if we survive all this we'll live another few millennia with them but you know we have to have a solution that doesn't involve a, a vaccine of any kind well, doctor, that's a pretty big statement that we need to have a solution that doesn't involve a vaccine at all. That would be nice if uh, people got sick and there was some treatment and uh, prophylactics to avoid it. Um, but how in the world do we continue to deal with this as a need for a vaccine when, uh, as you've described, we haven't always had vaccines. We don't need vaccines for everything we need to understand the nature of this messenger RNA and whether it's setting us up for some future problem or issue that we might have to face. Is something being implanted in us that uh, is just going to await a, a second coming of something else that activates it in a more deadly uh, fashion? Um, but help me understand this, and I really want to come back in this next segment and delve into this idea a little bit further. I'm not sure I fully understand. I'm not even sure I fully believe 
all these things that could be going on that there's speculation about um, this conspiracy of being implanted with something. As many people have concerned about the Moderna being funded by Bill Gates and the Microsoft of putting some sort of a chip into us. I don't really believe that. Uh, I suppose anything is possible, but I want to delve into the theories that you have a little bit more about how this might be a, um, a biological weapon. And as you said, with the fear factor, sort of a, um, um, a psych ops, I think was the term you used, because it certainly has terrorized this country and terrorized most of the world with what the, uh, the China virus has done. Want to give your family, our loved one, the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the tornadobodydryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. Hey guys, it's Minister Frankie with Shine His Light Ministries. It's getting cold outside and winter is coming. It's time to shine a little light on our friends on the street. We're collecting blankets and coats for the homeless all winter long. Please donate by going to our website at www.shinehislightministry.com or text 770-655-8055. Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember folks, I'm not angry, I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to this next segment of Healthcare Insight. We're talking about the coronavirus, the vaccines, uh, the medicine behind it, the study, the research, the dangers that it may pose of doing a kind of vaccine that's not really a vaccine. It's something new that's never been done before called a messenger RNA. And what are the dangers of a messenger RNA versus the kind of flu shots we've been historically getting where our body develops a natural immunity from um, the flu shots that we get. And we have to have annual flu shots. It's not really a, a permanent lifetime va- uh, vaccination. So the idea of medical warfare, a biological warfare that may be uh, behind all of this, is it true? Is it not true? And we're talking to Dr. Lee Merritt on her thoughts and opinions about what this virus is and what some of the dangers are. So I want to continue to delve into this. I want to understand a little bit more about um, how this works. So uh, Dr. Uh, Lee Merritt, um, give us a little bit more insight and perspective from uh, your vantage point. We have those solutions. We have treatment and we have prevention. So not only is hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine good for treatment, it's good for prevention. But the other thing is you can improve your own immune system through supplements. People, the, the you know, big pharma doesn't ever want you to do that, but there's no question. The I I was, when I was sitting at home, kind of getting mad and watching the computer, and I kept kicking the screen saying, you know, for all the billions of dollars we pay the CDC, why do they not drill down on the people getting really, really sick and dying? Because have you noticed that there's kind of a, there was a bimodal distribution. There were 
people that were from, you know, that walked away from this thing. Most people, 90 plus percent of people just, they never really get sick with this. They get a little sick or they get a flu-like thing, but they walk away from it. And then there's a very small percentage of people that are in the ICU or dying. Who are those people? Well, the CDC for all that money never looked at it, Lure. They didn't tell us. Doctor, I thought the same thing. Who are these people that are dying from this? Because most of the people that I've had personal contact with have had either minor effects of COVID. Uh, maybe they didn't even know they had it, but then they got tested and found out that they had it. Um, other people got uh, very ill, kind of like the flu uh, in a serious manner, but didn't get hospitalized. So has anybody really studied the population that's dying and is there some aspect that um, other countries have looked at that might give us some insights as to how to better treat or prevent or cure um, this COVID epidemic that we're having to face? But the Indonesians did and they looked at, and they found out that it was almost the biggest, they looked at a bunch of different things, but the biggest, biggest thing is what your vitamin D level was. If it was above 30, your chance of being in the ICU was less than 4%. Of, high, of sick people in the hospital, so much less when you're looking at the big population. So biggest thing people can do is get their vitamin D level up, and the sun doesn't do it. So that's my big overall view of this thing, and and I do think it's part of a takedown of America. So I, I want to drill down a little bit more on these vaccines. Uh, you know, it's a hot topic. Just yesterday, Biden, uh, we're recording on, on Thursday, January, what's today, the 14th or the 15th? And just, yeah, the 14th. And just yesterday, Biden put out a tweet that he's going to ensure that every American gets this vaccine. I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> does that include me and my family? Um, do you have any concerns about the safety of the vaccine? And what I mean, would you recommend to your patients if you're practicing to to take that? Or would you do it depend on their risk profile? What do you think? Well, I have lots of concerns, not the least of which is for the integrity and the moral turpitude of the of the medical profession, because you know. We never force people to have a medical treatment, and no matter how you look at it, having a vaccine of any kind, whether it's a flu vaccine or this, is a medical treatment. Nobody should be coerced or forced to have it. And by the way, that's what we hung the the doctors after World War II in Germany for that principle, for violating that principle, and we shouldn't be doing it. But the medical, the the safety thing is this. So I always tell people, you know, I'm not going to tell you whether to get a vaccine or not. You have to make your decision up, but you should be allowed to have informed consent. And we're, that is getting so bad that if you put up the uh, package insert for a vaccine on your on your Facebook, you can get taken down. So let's just keep in mind here, we're not getting informed consent here. We might think we are. We're not. So if you look at the history of these vaccines, just real quickly, these are these are not these are experimental biologics. I don't even like to call them vaccines because tra- classically, the how vaccines work is this. You grow a bunch of the pathogens. So let's say it's measles. You grow the measles in the in a, in a vat or in eggs. And then you take a portion of that and you make it less strong. You, you attenuate it. You make it weaker. And there's different ways of doing that. And then you inject it into people. And their own immune system sees that weakened pathogen. And then they react to it just enough that it puts it in their immunologic memory. And then when they're exposed to it the next time, they memorize it. And theoretically, they can then better respond. That's what your real body does when it gets sick. You're you're, you're just without all this vaccination stuff. You get sick with a uh, with a virus. You get perfect lifelong immunity for the most part, and and it's over. Okay. So what? But how is this different? Well, this is not 
they're not giving you a pathogen or a piece of a pathogen or a small piece with, a, with an adjuvant, which is a chemical that makes your immune system react more. What they're doing is programming mRNA. And mRNA is a little piece of, it's, it's, it's like DNA, but it's the messenger RNA. It's what, it's what makes proteins in the body. It's kind of like a computer chip that you put into a, a 3D printer and then it, you tell it what you want it to make and it prints it out, right? That we have that in, in engineering. And this is the biologic equivalent. I make a, I make some mRNA and it tells your body to produce certain things. Well, in this case, what they've done, they've made a, a piece of this mRNA to create in every cell of your body that spike protein, or at least part of it. And that spike protein, you're actually creating the pathogen in your body. So, you know, this is where it gets a little wishy about how much of that spike protein is actually being created. And I don't know how to find that. I can't find that. But I'm sure somebody knows. What happens is the problem, and this is the problem, and I'll tell you what happened in the animal studies. There have been four different vaccines and three different animal studies that I know of. In ferrets, in um, uh, what's the other? Cats. Was Cats have a natural thing with the coronavirus. So it's cats and ferrets and I think something else. They started after SARS, they did cats. And then after MERS, they did, which are all coronavirus pathogens that are more deadly. And they, they after MERS, they tried it in ferrets and something else. And what happened is all the animals died. It wasn't subtle, okay? But they didn't die of the vaccine. What they died from was called immune enhancement or antibody-induced enhancement or antibody-dependent enhancement. They call it ADE now, but it's it's they used to call it immune enhancement. Here's what happens. So they make the RNA, and so you're getting ready with this. They You get the vaccine, and you do fine, all right? Now you challenge the animal with the virus that you're supposed to be immunizing against. So when they charged, when they challenged those cats with, with, with SARS, what happened is instead of, instead of killing the virus or, you know, weakening, what they did is your, your, this stylized immuno response that they've built into your system went out and coated the virus. So the virus came into the human, the cat's body like a Trojan horse unseen by the cat's own immune system. And then it replicated without checking and killed the cat with overwhelming sepsis and cardiac failure. And that happened in the ferrets. That happened every time they've tried this. And so let me just point out, we have never made it through an animal study successfully for this type of virus. We have never done this in humans before. At least we haven't. Maybe the Chinese haven't. I'll talk about that in a second. But that's that's why we don't really have a track record of success. This vaccine was rolled out to distribution centers before they even made a show of caring about the FDA approving it. Do you realize that? I mean, it went out to for distribution. I know in Nebraska, it was in the distribution center within days before the FDA even said they were going to approve it. What? I mean, I've never seen that happen before. And the longest they've really followed people after the vaccine is two months. Well, you see, that's that's not enough time to know that we won't have that antibody enhancement problem. Well, doctor, that's one area that um, I'm a little troubled with your um, comments there. Uh, clearly, with the Operation Warp Speed, that there was a uh, pre-production of, I think, it's six different uh, vaccines that we hoped would work. And it was uh, developed, and the military was to distribute it uh, in advance of it being approved. But once it was approved, it would then be available because people just naturally think, okay, if it's approved, I should be able to get it the next day. And President Trump was trying to accommodate that, recognizing that if it was not approved, 
all that money to produce those would have gone to waste. But the uh, pharmaceutical companies were paid basically in advance uh, to develop uh, the vaccines based upon what their research was. And then if the testing of their populations through the, the third phase proved um, um, productive, then um, it was going to be ready for distribution. So that part doesn't bother me at all. But what does interest me a lot is this idea that um, it could be setting us up for something worse in the future, that these animal studies, and I do know and understand that ferrets were used to take the normally uh, non-toxic virus, the COVID that's found in bats, and get it to generate into a new level of of, uh, danger. Uh, as it went through several uh, changes going from ferret to ferret uh, as these um, uh, scientists were trying to create a more virulent uh, nature of COVID in order to ultimately solve it, should it in fact morph that way in, in nature. It hadn't yet. It has not done that. It's not normal in nature, so it is uh, biologically created in labs. Uh, but the original purpose was to be able to solve the problem in the future should it actually develop in nature since we know viruses morph all the time. It just hadn't morphed to that extent in, in nature. So that's the part that I really want to drill down on. What is the the potential for this to be a real biological weapon that's used to come back to us with like this one-two punch that you're uh, you're sort of outlining? And I will make this military point. This is a perfect binary weapon. You could, you could, there, you, there's no way I know exactly what that mRNA is programmed to, and neither do you, and neither do most doctors. The doctors can't get at that data. That's the guys, the guys at the very top of this project, okay? They know, but we don't know. They say it's to the spike protein, but how do we prove it? We don't know. So if I were China and I wanted to take down our military, that's easy. I make this, I just do like, we've seen happen i i make it pro i make it to a something a a, uh something i could hook on to this coronavirus like the spike protein or something else another protein and i just i just make an mrna to that but i know it doesn't exist in nature so nobody's going to die from the vaccine and then two years later i release the, the the whatever it is that i made you see what i'm saying the counterpart and it causes this immune enhancement death. So it's a delayed death. That's what binary poisons are. They're delayed. They're, I give you part one because it, you know, I, and then I can walk away and then you accidentally get in contact with part two and die. Wow. You're painting a very grim picture of the potential. And while you say you don't know for sure, but it's a possibility, um, the danger is that whether it's the Chinese or the Iranians or uh, some other terrorist group, um, they've got to be thinking along the same lines. Most of us don't think in terms of these kinds of dangers or these kinds of activities that would be so nefarious as to um, you know impact the, the whole world in such a dangerous way. That seems like a James Bond movie with uh, Dr. Evil or something. Um, but there's always that possibility, and that's why I wanted to air this program and these ideas. So let's take a quick break, and let's come back and see if we can wrap up uh, this whole presentation. And hopefully people are at least thinking about what some of the possibilities and the dangers are as we move into this uncertain future. 
Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember folks, I'm not angry, I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is around town movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around town movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. Hey, guys. It's Minister Frankie with Shine His Light Ministries. It's getting cold outside, and winter is coming. It's time to shine a little light on our friends on the street. We're collecting blankets and coats for the homeless all winter long. Please donate by going to our website at www.shinehislightministry.com or text 770-655-8055. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the final segment this week of America's web radio program, the um, Healthcare Insight. I'm Ron Bachman, and we've been hearing today some things that you're probably not going to hear on the national news. In this day of uh, cancel culture, of politically correctness going to the extreme, of Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and so many sources of public information being shut down from alternative voices, I don't know what they're afraid of. Uh, You and I out there in the audience can listen to people and decide their credibility, decide if the thought is provocative enough to um, do more research, to think uh, outside the box, to be concerned about things that we're not normally expertise in, things we're not normally worried about. Um, That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the issue of the coronavirus Uh, We're listening to a well-qualified medical expert who's worked in the national defense area, who's worked on um, uh, kind of bioterrorism issues that are prevalent and potential behind the uh, China virus, and she's raising a red flag, a warning. Now, is everything she's saying today true? Well, even she admits that she doesn't know all the answers because some of the information is proprietary, some of the information is governmental that's behind uh, proprietary research at the uh, Defense Department or in university laboratories, but for whatever reason, 
we don't have pure knowledge of what's going on either in this country or maybe research that's being done in other countries. So could this virus um, be uh, a new type of uh, warfare attack? Yes. Uh, might it not be? Yes. We don't know. But being aware and alert to these issues will allow all of us to think about it a little bit more and to be aware of the dangers. Because now we have this new so-called vaccine, which we now know is not really a vaccine. It's something new and different. It's called a messenger RNA. It works differently in the body than our historical vaccines. And does this new type of an approach for a um, messenger RNA create its own problems, its own issues? Does it open us up as we put this stuff into our bodies uh, to something more nefarious that may be going on? Um, we don't know, uh, but we all ought to be concerned. Uh, I've gotten the Pfizer vaccine, the first shot. I'm waiting on the second shot. My presumption is that uh, things are going to be okay, that I'm getting this that's developed by doctors, been researched by people who look out for our safety. I believe in the um, uh, FDA that has looked at it. Yes, they have gone through um, the Operation Warp Speed to get this stuff out fast because we needed to do something different, break down bureaucracies. I'm not sure any president other than Trump would have been able to accomplish this. And to take the strategy of paying for things in advance, um, if he hadn't done that, we would be two or three or four years into um, these illnesses, these deaths that are accruing now to such an extreme number. That that would have been over multiple years rather than over a single year where we now have a vaccine in record amount of time. So I want you to listen to this presentation. I think you'll find it interesting. I hope you'll go back and review this um, broadcast and draw your own conclusions. But let's see if we can wrap up this whole program with some final thoughts uh, from Dr. Uh, Merritt. Where, where do we go from here, Dr. Merritt? In the last few minutes that we have left, uh, what are your concerns about what's coming on the horizon? I've, I've talked to doctors. They've said maybe we're coming up to a, a COVID-2021, uh, you know, some, some variation of this. They've talked about this coronavirus mutation that's now supposed to be 70 times more virulent. I don't even know what that means. I don't know how you how you measure the Well, I can tell you, yeah. Virus. That's actually they, what they're – that's the one from Britain. Don't even worry about that. That's just chump change. What they're saying is it's more transmissible. That's like saying I was going 95 on the freeway, but now I'm going to go 97. You know, okay. Don't worry about that. Transmissibility we don't care about. This is so transmissible. It's making it a little bit worse is not going to be the problem. Lethality is what you're worried about, and that's what – we're not talking about that. Now, they could come out with something else, but again, all, if you come out with something that's based on these airborne viruses like corona – we pretty much have a treatment, which is the hydroxychloroquine or the ivermectin. So why are they trying so hard? So they're, they're, what we need to do is we need to take back our world from the, from the virology bad boys by having a supply of, of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine available. Now, notice that two – what's the chance of this? Two hydroxychloroquine plants burned down. And they say, oh, no, they weren't hydroxychloroquine plants. No, they made the precursors to hydroxychloroquine, right? So, you know, you're being lied to at every turn. But what we need to do is we need to stand up. Now, I'm 
I'm proud to say Governor Ricketts in Nebraska, he's one of the five governors who's not not restricted hydroxychloroquine in any way, shape or form. We need to everybody needs to ping their governor to stop signing this stuff that's being brought to us by the medical universities. They're all being paid by Fauci and the NIH. Let's get over this and let's give your people the ability to defend themselves. This is like saying, okay. We're, we're going to have missiles incoming, but you can't build sand, you know, sandbags. You can't have a basement. You can't have a bomb shelter. No, that's not right. You should be able to have a defense. Doctors should be aware of the defense. We got to quit lying about the defense. And we need to tell people there are five or six things. I have a little COVID kit in my office. It's NAC, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, selenium, and quercetin, six things. And if you do that, you can improve your immune response and your immune, um, your own ability to fight this off and not get terribly sick. It's possible that they are going to come around with more dangerous things though in the future, and then we need more than that. So that's why we have to pump. We have to. We have to get the truth out. People have to push around the the, the news that there, we have treatment, and patients are getting it, which is sad. Patients are afraid to go to hospitals because they know they're not going to get the right treatment. That is sad, but doctors, and I I would just make this point to doctors, I get it if you're in training and you can't speak out, you're stuck, you're not, I don't fault you. I do fault everybody above that, the people that are taking the money from Fauci, the people that are taking the money from the NIH that are willing to take that money and push remdesivir and kill people. Not because they're necessarily killing them when they're remdesivir, but they're killing them by omitting treatment early on as outpatient that works. And the doctors below those that are out of training, they have to make a moral decision here because you can't – we should be prophylaxing people in nursing homes. We could be saving lives for $5 a week. We could be saving a lot of these old people, but they don't want to. Those are those are what the – they're considered kind of not contributory to society. That's where the Nazis went with this, people that are not worthy of living. We have to get over that because you, you guys, the doctors that are making the choice to, to be quiet – because, yeah, they got a mortgage, they got two kids, and they don't want to lose their university salary. It's time to rethink your position. I think everybody needs to, to in the medical community, we need to man up and be honest here. The, and the information's out there. Don't tell me there's no evidence. You know, they're lying to you about the evidence. If you really make any effort on the Internet, you can find the evidence. And if not, you can go to the um, – I'm a frontline doctor. You can go to America's Frontline Doctors, AFLDS.com. You can go to the uh, America, the Association of AAPS Online.org, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, and many other organizations are speaking up now. Excellent, Dr. Mary. That is the last thing I was going to ask you. Uh, any final websites that people should visit? Uh, the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons, which is a phenomenal group, uh, the Frontline Doctors, any other groups, and any parting words of wisdom for us, Dr. Merritt? Well, there's the Barrington Declaration, and um, I mean, there's just so much on there. If you just kind of go to alternative sites, um, SOT.net has lots of good articles. I would say if you want to get out of the pandemic right now, it's really easy. You turn off your TV, you take off your mask, (laughs) you reopen your business, and you live your life. You hug your relatives, you go see your old old relatives, and, and you have neighborhood parties. Because let me tell you, we cannot live in a basement, even if you think masks work. Don't do this to your children. How many decades are you going to do this? Live every winter, every year in a mask from now on? And let me wrap up this section by just thanking um, Alex Newman of um, uh, America's New um, Radio and also uh, Dr. Lee Merritt for giving us some very interesting thoughts on COVID, uh, the possibilities of it being 
actually used as a bio-warfare uh, mechanism. Uh, the impact that it has on what she calls psychops, it gets every, every one of us worried and concerned. Um, her focus clearly is on the lethality of uh, whatever may be happening, whether it's with the virus or uh, with the vaccine or the post-vaccine issues that might come up. Um, clearly, she is focusing on wanting to get us uh, more treatments versus the vaccines. She doesn't have a strong belief that the vaccines are the right way to go, uh, but that there are effective treatments out there that doctors have been talking about, not just her, but many other doctors uh, in this whole process. So we'll see where that goes. Now, I'm really excited again about the Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine. It is more of a traditional vaccine, so any of the concerns that may exist around the messenger RNA would be uh, not applicable to the Johnson & Johnson. So when it comes on the market, there may be a big push worldwide to um, move in the direction of the Johnson & Johnson approach. We do know that she has stated some things that are clearly obvious, that this is not a normal virus, that it is a biologically manipulated virus that uh, occurred in laboratories uh, that were studied both in the United States and when it was made illegal in the United States, it was moved to China as the main center for this uh, COVID type of research and that it either got out accidentally or on purpose, but it has had the impact of um, hurting the United States. Our gross domestic product is down. Our people are terrorized by the thought of getting this. Uh, we have people dying um, every day at record numbers, and yet China seems to have uh, weathered the storm pretty well. And with their intent of taking over the United States, both as the world's economic power and uh, using their military might to intimidate us and intimidate other countries, um, it's actually working. If they didn't intend it to work this way, it seems to be working uh, in their favor. But the whole idea is um, that is presented is the idea of informed consent. Let us know the information. Let us think about it. Let us make our own choices. And what I want to also go into is and wrap up here is saying that each one of us out there have the obligation to take a look at how this is affecting our lives and how we will live through it, how we will deal with our relatives and our workers, how we will retain our businesses, how we will deal with sometimes what seems to be a government overreach in regulating our businesses, what we can do, what we can't do. Are we really going to allow this kind of overpowering bureaucracy and legislative action that limits what we can do in our lives? What happened to the Constitution? What happened to the Bill of Rights that allows us to, to have the freedom to do the things that we want to do and not have to worry about government stopping us from associating with others or from opening a business or from being able to sell products? Because at the end of the day, under any analysis, the standard of living of a country is its ability to produce goods and services that other people want to buy. And if we've shut down our economy, and if we continue to shut down our economy, major parts of it, that that is not going to accrue uh, well for this country. I want you to think about this, and we're going to continue in future weeks to talk about healthcare insights and what this new Biden administration is doing to each and every one of us. So join us again next week as we'll talk about new issues 
relative to health and health care. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.